Welcome to podcast number 158 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. Today's podcast is entitled Financial Prosperity in Marriage. We've been on a series for quite a while on financial prosperity, and today we're taking on a topic that's somewhat difficult at times, but really one I enjoy an awful lot, and that is the area of marriage. Do you know today marriage is under attack in many ways, and the financial challenges that face marriage are causing a lot of folks to break up their marriage and divorce, and it's hard to imagine that finances would be the one thing that would destroy a marriage, but it's happening throughout this country. So I feel it's time to talk about that specifically. I may do a couple of podcasts dealing with the area of marriage, but let's just see how the Holy Spirit leads us. Before I get started though, I need to pray because we want to invite the Holy Spirit to come in, take charge, to take control. And I just want God to just bless this in a very special way and help marriages who are struggling in the area of finances. Father, I thank you once again for the opportunity I have to bring this podcast at this time and talk about the subject of finances and marriage. Pray that you would bless it and anoint it. And I invite the Holy Spirit now to come in and control my comments and my thoughts and direct me in the way that you would have me to go. Pray that those who are listening in today would understand that marriage is a sacred covenant relationship that God has decided to set up between man and woman. And I believe that, Lord, you have a desire, a deep desire to bless those who are struggling in their finances and their marriage. So I pray blessings would come upon this podcast and upon those married couples and those that are considering marriage or maybe they're engaged. This would be a very helpful podcast to help them set up a good financial plan that would bless their marriage. So Father, I ask for your anointing now and your blessing for I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When we discuss marriage and finances, we must understand the following statement. And this is a very important premise for this teaching today. When a man and a woman marry, they become one. Now God had a plan for marriage and he began addressing it in Genesis chapter 2. 2 and verse 24. But before we get there, I want to comment a little bit about the book of Genesis. Here we're seeing the creation of the heavens and the earth, and God is creating man, and on the seventh day, he finished his work of creation. He said, this is good, and everything is so exciting, and God knows that he wants to use this to bless man and woman. So then God set up the earth and the heavens, and in verse number number 8, it says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and he wanted to make it nice for man and wife. Verse number 10, he says, a river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. Then it goes on to say in verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone because he'd already created man. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now we're seeing God getting, quite frankly, pretty excited about his creation. And in verse 20, it says, he gave names to all the livestock man did. He says, and all the birds of the sky and the wild animals. In verse 21, so the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep while the man slept. The Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to man. Verse 23, at last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. So she will be called woman because she was taken from man. And verse 24, which is so crucial to today's teaching, and this is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the New Living Translation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now I'm going to address the topic of what does it mean that they're united into one. Now, there's obviously one meaning. Now, I'll get into that also. But there's many, many meanings dealing with the area 
of why God wanted man to be connected to woman and made them one. Now, in later scriptures, I'll talk in depth about some of the particular details, but if you think about it, God desired for us to have one mind, one thought, one pattern of discussion. He knew that man and women would be different. They'd think differently. They'd reason differently. But his goal, God's plan for man and woman, was to make them united, totally in agreement, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And so we need to read another scripture now, which I think is very powerful. That'll help us even get a better understanding of why it's so crucial to understand how God wants to bless and prosper marriages. There's some conditions he's placed upon it. Ephesians chapter 5, New Living Translation. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 5, verse 21, where it's talking about husbands and wives, it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it goes on to talk about husbands in verse 25. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. That's a very important point when we talk about becoming one flesh. It says to make her holy in verse 26 and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. In verse 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle. Now here we're seeing the Word of God talking about man and woman becoming one and talking about Jesus Christ and the church becoming one. And that's where the unity that God has established in marriage. In verse 28 it says, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Verse 29, No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Here we go. This is getting very important to this teaching on finances. And we are members of his body. Verse 31, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now other translations say they become one flesh. That's a crucial item to understand when you're dealing with finances. Now you may say, I'm not sure I'm understanding what you're talking about. Well, just stay with me on this and I think you'll get a great understanding of how the two, the relationship that Christ has with the church and the relationship that man has with wife and why they become one flesh. Now marriage is like a portrayal of Jesus Christ as one with the church. Both of these scriptures that I've read to you today, Genesis 2.24 and a number of scriptures, another references in Ephesians chapter 5 up to verse 31, they were written in order to help us understand what one flesh means. To become one has many, many meanings. It is the joining of two people becoming one, the physical joining we all know about. Then it also has to do with becoming one relating to another in every area of life, in faith in Jesus Christ, in decision-making, in raising children, and in our finances. And I can go on and on because when we become one flesh as a married couple, then every aspect of our life should be united and be on the same page, if you will. You know, married couples, when they become one flesh, they should have the same plan for life, to serve God, to put Him first. And then if they're blessed with children, and most are, then they are to raise those children in the love and admonition for the Lord. They should raise up their children the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And the Bible tells us about that. Well, that's the unity of coming together in one flesh. And all this means we can relate this in the area of our finances. Now, in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 6, we again see a reference to becoming one flesh. I'm not going to read that because I don't want to spend the whole podcast just reading scriptures to you. But here's another reference where, where the Word of God is telling us that they become one flesh. 
Again, we read how important it is for a married couple to be united in every aspect of life. Now, the reason I'm stressing this unity in marriage and giving you the scriptural background in the relationship between man and woman is because we will never experience spiritual and financial prosperity without unity in a married couple. As a pastor for 20 years and as a banker for another 15, almost 16 years, if there's one thing that I saw constantly in my office were people coming in, married couples coming in, in complete confusion about their finances. One had a plan to do one thing. Another had a plan to do something else. You might have a husband who was saving money and the wife was spending it fast or vice versa. You might have a wife that's saving and the husband is out of control and spending. But regardless of the fact, they, they were not in unity. They were not in agreement. And when they're not in agreement in the area of their finances, they'll probably not be in agreement in the relationship they have sexually, in the relationship they have as in parents or the relationship they have in attending church and being a part of the house of God. So get this lesson deep in your heart to understand that God's word has built a foundation to understand why married couples need to be in unity and be in one flesh and it applies significantly to the area of finances. Before I go on, let me give you a scripture I think that's so important for the relationship that we should have in marriage. It's found in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. I'm reading in the New International Version. Listen to this this just this one verse. Verse 4, marriage should be honored by all. That means that we should honor and respect and support each other in every area of our marriage and especially in the area of financial decisions, in financial planning, in investing, in savings, in spending, all those things. We want to honor each other. And you know, there's a lot of couples that I've talked with over the years who don't honor themselves or each other in their finances because they're at odds. They've got different opinions and different ideas about the way they should handle their finances. And so there's a lot of fighting and arguing complaining going on because they've not established the fact to honor and respect and love and support and care for each other. And so that should be applied to our finances. Here's another scripture that's important. It's found in Colossians 3.19. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically it says, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with her. Now, you know what I'm going to talk about here when it has to do with finances. Couples shouldn't argue about money. They shouldn't have arguments or discussions that cause dissension among each other. Matter of fact, we should never, couples, you should never have an argument or a disagreement about finances in front of your children because that builds their understanding incorrectly about how couples should deal with their area of finances. We should not criticize each other about money. We should not correct each other publicly about money, but we need to sit aside by ourselves, get alone, sit down and talk about our finances and plan our finances, honor each other. We should love each other and we should not be harsh with each other, especially when it comes comes to finances and having a desire to have financial prosperity. Now, here's another scripture found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. So therefore, men, we need to do this in the area of financial discussions, in budgets and those types of things. The wife must respect her husband's what that scripture says. So if we were to look at that scripture where it says, each one of you also must love his wife, he's talking to men, and as he loves, just as much as he loves himself. And then it says here that, and the wife must respect her husband. Now it's talking about respect for each other and loving and all that good stuff. It's basically, you can input in here finances where it would, I would read it like this. Husbands love your wife in financial 
decisions. Husbands, love your wife when it comes to helping her understand how the finances should be spent, working with her, and being fair with each other in the way you set up your expenses. Wives, respect your husband for his job, for what he's doing. Don't criticize him if he's doing work that you don't care for. Don't criticize him if he's not making as much money as you'd like him to make or want him to make. We should then support each other and love each other as we love our own bodies. So it's crucial we apply these scriptures in the area of our finances. I'm going to read another scripture. I think this is being very helpful to some people out there. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we're giving instructions on how wives should talk to their husbands and husbands to their wives. It goes back and forth and it's really, it's good and it's interesting, but I'd like to start at verse number 7. So I'm reading in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 in the New Living Translation. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Men, when it comes in the area of finances, we should honor our wives. It says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. You know, I don't know what else to say about that, but God wants us to respect each other. And so many times in marriage, when you get to finances, there's major differences of opinions. And so I'm going to talk about that in a little bit and kind of explain to you how we should deal with making decisions in the area of our finances in order to help you get a better understanding of how you will experience financial prosperity in your marriage. Let's just look at some decision making. Now, in decisions in marriage, we need to set up a financial plan. Now, it's something that I call a budget, and some people don't like that. As soon as I say the word budget, I lose a lot of people, but it's really a way to structure out and figure out how you're going to spend the money that you're making. Now, in the budget, make sure it meets the needs of both individuals in the marriage. If a wife needs to spend money on personal things like hair and clothes and makeup and those types of things, she should be able to do that. Establish a monthly expense from the budget that you can afford a certain set amount. Ladies, understand that. Men, understand that. If the husband has needs for finances, for things like maybe going fishing or playing golf or sports or whatever it might be, then we need to set up a monthly expense in the budget that you can afford and establish that. I've seen marriages where the wife will spend 90% of their finances on all of her personal matters and the husband basically just lets it all go and doesn't worry about it. In other marriages where the husband does the same thing, he drives an expensive truck and they've spend a fortune of their finances and their budget in the area of handling his expenses for a big truck and and hunting equipment or golfing equipment. And it's lopsided. It shouldn't be lopsided. Husbands and wife both have needs and they both need to understand what those expenses should be, agree on them, and put a budget together. Both of the amounts must be agreed upon by both parties, husband and wife. Now, I realize that this can be a little difficult, but it's not impossible. Remember, God's word says you are one flesh in unity and in agreement. Here's another important item for couples to be financially successful. A married couple need to establish a plan to become debt-free. Now, many couples don't think about being debt-free until they're very old, and that's a mistake. That's a big mistake, and it may be a little too late. Now, may I suggest that as soon as you marry, agree on becoming debt-free. Now, let me say that a plan to be debt-free must not cut out every expense on personal items like clothes or some decorations for the home or a vacation or going out even on a date, you know, for dinner. In some marriages, there'll be one person who spends like 
crazy and another one who wants to save or vice versa. One might be tight with money and the other one wants to spend as much as they can. But couples, we need to go back how God created you. He put you together to become one, to become one flesh, to be in agreement on things. Couples need to come together and agree on spending, on saving, on debt, and how to get out of debt. Now, let me give you a story of a man who complained about his wife always spending money on stuff. He said she just spends money on clothes and she'll buy these little tops and these t-shirts and she'll buy shoes and it's $20 here and $20 there and $30 there. And he said she's out of control and she'll spend two or $300 a month on these things. And I said, well, okay, well then let's, let me understand the budget. Now they were both there in person. I would never counsel a couple in their finances with just the husband or the wife there. I need them both there because if you don't have them both there, we could, where we can discuss things openly It'll just become one person want me to agree with them. So whenever you go to financial counseling of any type, there really should be both of you in attendance because it just doesn't work just talking to one or the other. So the man then would be, after he would tell me all these things about how she spends money, and she'd say, well, Pastor, I'm just curious. I know I spend money on those things, and those are personal things. But in reality, you know, he likes to play golf, and he likes to go fishing, and he has this expensive truck that we spent. It's a $70,000 truck, and our payment is eight hundred dollars a month and she went on and on about the spending and you could see that it was very lopsided. She was spending on personal items something in the area of maybe two or three hundred dollars a month and he was spending in the area of a thousand or more a month on personal items dealing with golf and fishing and guns and all that type of stuff. So we need to get things in balance in proper perspective because thousands of dollars a year can be spent by one person and hundreds by another and you can just have a chaos constantly in the area of dealing with your finances. Now the husband in this case felt that he was spending, it was all justified because he was the one making all the money. Well, that just should not be said whatsoever. If the husband's the only one making money and the wife is home, taking care of the kids, and that's what they decided on, then just because he's making the money doesn't mean he gets to spend more on himself. Now, I believe in that. It's the same thing with the wife is the one making all the money, and she shouldn't be the one spending all the money on herself. There needs to be agreement. You'll never have financial prosperity in your marriage unless you have unity in your financial decisions and agreement on how your finances need to be spent or saved or whatever decision you make in the area of finances. Now that couple that I just talked about, I met with them and they really did agree to set up a plan to live on a monthly budget where they they figured this is correct and if they had extra expenditures, they would sit down and talk about them, not just put a charge on a card somewhere, a credit card. They would sit down and talk about it so their plan would be blessed of the Lord. They set limits on each one of them it was a struggle, but eventually it brought peace in their finances and they started setting up a savings plan. They started giving their tithes to the church. God blessed it. They got the attention of God in their financial planning and they have prospered financially greatly since that time because they're in unity and in agreement for God's plan for them to live as one flesh in every area of their married life. I want to give you some steps now for marital financial success. I might repeat a couple things in certain areas of this, but bottom line, I think these steps will stand alone, and I believe they'll bless your marriage. Step number one, set up an agreed upon budget. Now, I've talked about that a bit, but I need to repeat it because it's so crucial and stay within that budget. Now, let me give you a story of a wife who said, and it's kind of a comical story. It's true, but they've set up a budget. At first, she said, I hated the budget. It's what was so restricted, and I just felt like I couldn't live within it. She said, but then all of a sudden, I agreed. As long as the miscellaneous category is I can spend whatever I want, 
then I basically can live with that budget. Well, that's not a budget. Now, I said that kind of facetiously, but bottom line, it is a true story because they were struggling with the budget. And she said, well, then why don't we create miscellaneous? And they did, but they didn't establish a dollar amount in miscellaneous. So what she did was she just kept spending and spending in the miscellaneous area, and it really destroyed their budget. And they had to sit down and recreate something and then get a category called miscellaneous expenses, but put a dollar amount on there, set an amount, and live within that amount. Now, number two, avoid impact spending, especially if you use credit cards and that you, you're not paying those off within there every month. See, impulse spending is one of the most destructive things you can do in your finances. What it is, is you go out, people go out and they have a mindset to go purchase something, maybe at a furniture store and they want to buy a chair and they're going to spend $500. So they walk in there and all of a sudden on the way to look at the chairs, they see maybe new tables for a living room, or then they maybe see a new sofa for something else or a new dining room set. And before you know it, they walk walk out of that store planning to spend 500 and spending three or four thousand dollars on a bunch of furniture that they put on a charge account and now they're making monthly payments and the interest on that's going to be anywhere from 15 to 20 to 25 percent annually and it's going to take them 15 or 20 years to pay that thing off so an impulse purchase can just destroy you if you go in looking for a 500 item then stay within that item and don't allow those things that you think you just got to have and it's such a good price to rob you of setting up a firm budget and your spending will be under control because you'll avoid impulse purchases. First, or item number three, establish savings and retirement plans. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, that's really great. If you're older, I guess you can set up a savings plan. Well, being older is a little late to decide to start saving. I love the concept of giving so much money back to myself each month when I made money. I remember when I was working and my wife was working at first with me, then she got to stay at home because I started making more money and we started having more children and all of a sudden she needed to be at home with them. So here we are, I'm making money, but I always would sit down and say, we need to save some of this. We would give 10% of what I made to the church. And so I established a plan to give 10% to us in our savings. Yeah, we had to modify our budget. Yes, we had to control things differently and, and sacrifice a few things in order to be able to save. But you realize if you'll just start saving $100 a month out of your budget or $200 a month, you'll turn that into thousands of dollars in just a year or two or three. And over a period of 10 or 20 years, you could have $100,000 or more when you add interest into that. So set up a plan of savings and a plan for retirement because believe it or not, whether you're 25, 35, 45 or whatever, retirement is coming someday and you'd like to have the funds there to be able to retire. Verse, uh, item number four, never buy gifts for each other that have to be financed. Now, I know it's nice to buy a gift. It's wonderful to buy your wife a nice new necklace or something or your husband. You buy him something that he's always wanted. Maybe it's some new tools or a shotgun or something that he's always dreamed of having. But then you charge it and you finance it. That is not a gift. Quite frankly, that is really a curse on your marriage. So avoid buying gifts for each other if you have to finance them. Okay, number five, listen to each other's needs it's so important to understand what the other person needs out of the marriage in the area of finances. Listen carefully and, and sit down and talk about things. Matter of fact, this is number six, not kind of put five and six together. Talk about the wants and the needs and the desires that we have. You know, what some people consider a want or a need or a desire is different for someone else. I've had people tell me, well, we need to get another television set, a large one. And I will say, well, how many do you have already? Well, we have three, but we need another large one in another room. 
Do you really need another television when you already have three? Or is it that you just want one? And we need to understand that our needs, yes, God promised he'd supply our needs. But when it comes to our wants and our desires, there are conditions that God places upon that. God wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. He wants us to have finances. He wants to be blessed beyond what we can even imagine or even think. That's what the Bible says. But when it comes to understanding the difference between wants, needs, and desires, couples need to sit down with their finances and label these things as what is a need. And God will supply that need and then understand the difference between a want or a desire. Those things can rob you of financial blessings and quite frankly, destroy your hope for any type of financial prosperity in your marriage. Now, in closing this teaching, I just want to do a quick review. In America today, the number one reason for divorce is financial failure. Wow. That's probably the reason that I've done this podcast today is because I counsel a lot of people in the area of their marriages and usually finances is either number one or number two. Many times it's infidelity and that's horrible. But it's said that many women today will forgive infidelity of their husband quicker than financial failure. So let's be sure and understand that we don't want to do anything that'll rob us of having the marriage that God wants us to have. Husbands or wives, if you don't make enough money, don't think that making more money is the solution to your financial plan. Work with what you have. Like Paul said, I've learned how to be content. Basically, he said, well, where I'm at. But he pressed on. He moved forward. Being content doesn't mean you have to just live with what you have. But being content with where you are will bring peace and help you to understand the difference between wants, needs, and desires. I'm going to close this podcast today with a scripture we started off with, and it's found in Ephesians, and it's chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. And I'm reading here in the New King James Bible, one I don't use very often, but I think it really translates very well for us here. It says here, for we are members of his body, that means of the body of Christ, of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Couples, God wants us to operate as one in unity with him. Jesus operates in unity with his church. When the church is in unity with Christ, it prospers, it's blessed. And when marriages are in unity with Christ and in unity with each other, their marriage will be blessed and it'll prosper. So I believe this is teaching that God wanted me to give to you at this time. I pray that you would share it with those around you, maybe friends or family members. Many times only one member of the marriage will listen to a podcast and then encourage the other one to listen. I would hope that couples, you would listen to this together and then discuss it. If you agree with me or disagree with me, that's fine. But look at the things and the points and the references that I've made dealing with scriptures on how God wants to operate as one flesh. So I hope that this has blessed you and let me just pray a blessing over you. Father, I thank you once again for the opportunity I've had to bring this teaching of this time to married couples. I pray there be a blessing upon it in their marriage that they would prosper and be in good health even as their soul prospers. I pray that their finances would grow and prosper and increase and that you would keep them strong and healthy and in agreement. And I pray that couples would pray together, seek your word, and set up a financial plan that would bless them, bless the kingdom of God, and provide for them for their future and that they would truly prosper financially in their marriage. And I expect that to happen and I'll give you all the praise for it, Lord, now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Once again, I hope that this blessed you and I'd like to encourage
encourage you, if you'd like to learn more about my teachings, you could go to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com. And if you go there, I've written a couple books that might be of interest to you, especially in the area of finances. One has to do with generosity. What's in it for me? Because when we're generous, God will pour out a blessing upon us. There's another book I wrote entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. I believe it's a blessing to those people who are seeking a way and a plan to get out of debt and live financially free. In addition to that, there's there's a book on faith, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. And if you were to go to my webpage, and when you pull it up, you'll see reference there, books that I've written. You'll also see a reference on my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com. And when you open that up, you'll see on that page, there's a link to my podcast. Now, this is my 158th podcast, and there's a whole list of them all right there where you can click on there and, and receive all the information on all the podcasts that I've taught dealing with prosperity, dealing with faith, dealing with miracles and gifts of the Spirit and the miracle gifts of the Holy Spirit and many teachings on the area of the Holy Spirit. So I hope those will be of help to you. If you're interested in subscribing to my podcast, you can do that through cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now we'll be continuing our series on financial prosperity and my next upcoming podcast is entitled Borrowing and Financial Prosperity. There's a lot of people come to me and ask questions about, is it okay to borrow money? Is it okay to lend money? When should I borrow? When should I not borrow money? And I can tell you with the years I was a banker for some 15 years, a real estate developer for 20 years, I can tell you that there's a lot of folks became very wealthy because they understood the principle of borrowing. The Bible doesn't say that borrowing is sinful. It also doesn't say that bankruptcy is sinful, but it does tell us when bankruptcy can be sinful and when borrowing can be sinful. I'm going to talk about all those. I believe it's going to be an interesting teaching. It'll be a little bit unique because as a pastor for 20 years, I was blessed prior to that with years in banking and finance. And I just can tell you that there's a lot to be said about the understanding, the importance of controlling borrowing of funds or pledging for someone else. There's just a number of things we need to be cautious of. But I can tell you right now, many churches would never have been built had they not borrowed the funds to build them. And many souls would have never been born into the kingdom. Conversely, there's many churches who are now in non-existence because they borrowed far more than they were able to handle. So borrowing is something that's totally misunderstood. And I believe the Lord has given me something very special to share with you. So I hope that you'll let your friends and neighbors and family know that we'll be teaching on the topic of borrowing and financial prosperity. So with that, I'm going to close with this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And may you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So I just say this, may God richly bless you and may you prosper. May your marriage prosper. May you experience financial prosperity in all that you do, because that's God's plan for you is to bless you and to bless his people. I pray that you'll be blessed in all that you put your hand to. Thank you so much for listening in. Until next time, God richly bless you.